Hello, and welcome to the Landis Cooperative Experience podcast featuring the bull bear banter. We all know that markets often behave in a way that can't easily be explained. The bull bear banter is our best effort to digest the noise of the marketplace. So thank you for joining us. Sit back, relax, and let's talk about the markets. Hello, this is Cheyenne Dunham, and I want to welcome you to the November 8th episode of the Bull Bear Banter. I'm joined by Tom Guinan today, and he's going to give us a recap of what the markets did this week. Tom? Well, Cheyenne, today the December 2019 corn ended at 377 and a quarter. That's up two, but for the week, we've lost 12 cents. Next December 2020, corn finished at 401, up one and a half, and for the week was down almost a nickel. January soybean futures today ended at 931. That's down five and a half for the day, and for the week we've lost five and three quarters. November 2020 soybeans ended at 967 and a quarter, down five for the day, and again down about five cents for the week. Thanks, Tom. I think yesterday's boost on soybeans definitely helped offset the loss for today, so probably why we ended up mostly unchanged for the week. Our big story this week is definitely going to be the latest WASDE report that came out this morning at 11. Prior to that release, corn and soybeans were both showing slightly negative numbers. I would say funds were staying fairly neutral. After the release, corn traded as much as 8.5 higher, and beans were down about 10 at the lowest point. Before the report, the average corn production estimate was around 13.64 billion bushels on an estimated yield of 167.5 bushels an acre. The actual USDA numbers showed 13.661 billion production using 167 bushels per acre for the yield. So the corn yield was reduced by 1.4 bushels from that October report. Ending stocks are now pegged at 1.91 billion bushels versus 1.929 billion previously. For soybeans, the pre-report estimates were 3.51 billion bushels, and that was using a yield of 46.6 bushels an acre. However, the USDA did not make any changes to their yield or production estimates for soybeans. Those were left at 46.9 bushels an acre and 3.55 billion bushels on the production. They did adjust demand a bit, so the ending stocks estimate grew to 475 million bushels, and that was up 15 million from October. There wasn't much change in the world ending stock numbers for corn, beans, or wheat. The one slightly significant change was to corn, which is now estimated at 296 million metric tons, and that's down 302.6 million metric tons previously. So all in all, U.S. corn yields and production are down 1%, and U.S. soybean production is unchanged. With that, let's move on to the bull bear factors. Well, Cheyenne, on the corn side of things, I think that uh, 1% reduction in yield and production numbers from WASDE topped my list. In Iowa, you know, we keep hearing of mostly favorable yield reports with most folks saying that corn yields are at or above what they expected prior to harvest. In fact, some are saying much above their expectations, even after compensating for high moistures. So it's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around it, but the good news is that in many parts of the U.S., that's just the opposite, and that in Iowa here, we're going to kind of benefit from that uh, lower yield and production for corn with the better yields here. So that's a good thing for us locally. Tom, would you say on that, I was talking with a few customers today prior to the report being released, we're really late into harvest progress at this point. I think it's going to take a while for the actual numbers to hit the USDA reports. Yeah, in fact, um, that's one thing I want to talk about next is just this slow harvest, you know, progress relative to the last year average. In the U.S., as of Sunday, they were saying progress was estimated at 52% compared to 75% on average. In Iowa, it's 43% compared to 72%. But I think here in our Landis footprint, we're at or above 50% um, to start the week. So I think we're 
a little further ahead than what the USDA is saying, and it's just kind of hard to get those kind of caught up, I think. So I think we're going to get caught up with a lot of guys starting to finish up here uh, in the next few days, so that's good to see. You know, other than that, about the only negative we had for progress this week was that um, snow we saw Wednesday night into Thursday morning. But other than that, this week, I think, kind of back to your point, we've made a lot of progress on corn this week. It, it's been a slow harvest, and there's a lot of corn out there and a lot of wet corn out there. So I, I think any location that's set up to take corn is taking as much as they can for as long as they can. You know, propane still continues to be a struggle, dryer capacity. And it's not just Landis. I mean, every company out there that's taking corn in is trying to find a home for it where they can. So we're working our best to accommodate our producers and everything, but it just continues to be an up battle with everything coming in you know hard and fast and as we've talked about wet well and i know you know here locally or here internally i should say we continue to stress to our our employees you know be patient with guys you know let you know they've had a long harvest they're struggling but we also want to kind of tell our farmers that be patient with our folks too it's been a long harvest for us as well and those days when you are kind of caught up like thursday when you couldn't harvest and you're in the office and everybody's coming in the office that day it's not a day off for us we're we're working just as hard as we can on those slow days for you in the field as we are the days when you're bringing corn in so just a little patience for everybody here would be uh, kind of helpful we're we're doing our best to take in as much as we can you know if your little location is filling up we're doing a lot to do intercompany transfers making space there wherever we can make it available so everyone's really pulling together this harvest and coordinating well communication is definitely key both on the producers end and our end as a company as well so kind of a little spin off there but I mean kind of back to again what we're talking about it's a delayed harvest it's coming in fast winter's also coming really fast I think all of this you know is is kind of things to make an interesting market right now and everything. And on that, you know, kind of going back to bear factors for the corn side, the corn exports lead off my bear factors. The latest information shows 10.8 million bushels shipped, and that's even below a very low expectation of 15 to 25 million bushels. And this kind of ties in with the late harvest. We can't ship what isn't there, but when compared to exports of 50 million for the same week last year, it really looks bad. For this entire crop year, we're only at 148 million bushels, and that's off 62% from last year. It's going to be hard to catch up as the rivers start to freeze over and barge traffic slows down. On the ethanol front, the good news is that production has increased for the sixth straight week at 298 million gallons, and that's up from 295 million. This is also the largest production number since September 1st, but the bad news is that ethanol production is really lagging compared to last year. Last week's number was 5% below last year's number, and for the year were 4.8% below for the year. Couple that with the USDA's expectation of an increase in ethanol demand for this year, and something's not really adding up for me. This is going to be an item to keep an eye on for the rest of the year, in my opinion. There continues to be quite a few people speculating on corn acres for next year. Just adding back in part of the prevent plan acres is going to pressure corn prices. But how many other acres are going to be switched to corn is another piece of the puzzle we'll have to come to grips with at some point. Yeah, I agree. That number kind of keeps coming back and forth with those prevent plan acres, and it's a ways out yet, but uh, I think it's something to keep an eye on. The corn market, obviously, it's down for the week, you know, down 12, but it's still hanging in there well around that 350 number, which is pretty strong compared to previous harvests. Obviously, a lot of that's coming from basis support that's just continued through harvest, but also a little bit of that is being seen on the future side there. Sure. Well, let's move on to the soybean side. So for bull factors, I think these soybean exports 
imports continue to be strong. Another 54.4 million bushels were loaded last week, which is close to that upper end of expectations and above the same time last year. For the year, we are up 11% over that same period last year. There continues to be a lot of optimism about the U.S. and China signing some sort of an agreement regarding Phase 1. The latest story says maybe in London, maybe early December. We'll see what happens there, and we'll just continue to hope for the best. And when we're talking about soybean harvest, it does seem to be catching up to last year's numbers. Nationally, as of Sunday, we were at 75% versus 81% last year. In Iowa, they said it's 80% done versus 86% last year. And I think in our trade territory, you know, kind of back to your uh, thought earlier, it's probably closer to 95% or more that's done on soybeans as of now. On the bear side for soybeans, you know, I think today was a good proof of that. But as I mentioned before, the WASDE report did not show a change to the yield or production for soybeans. But it was interesting to see that they shaved 15 million off of the previous estimate for crush this year. That resulting increase to ending stocks doesn't seem like much, moving from 460 to 475 million, but that is not the direction we need to go to get cash prices higher. The other item I'm including as a bear factor is the strengthening of the US dollar. Earlier this week, we hit a three week high, so not a major rally, but still it makes our exports a little less competitive versus other countries. Nothing to get overly concerned about just yet, but it's probably worth noting. Tom, on our what to watch for or upcoming events, Monday, November 11th is Veterans Day, which is a federal holiday, but grain markets are going to be open and trading. And we're going to continue to keep an eye on the weather forecast and hope for plenty of sunshine the next couple of weeks, even if we do have much colder temperatures. So why does this all matter? You know, the one thing I keep wondering about is all of these corn acres that everyone seems to think are coming back into production. If indeed the U.S. plants a lot more corn next year, how much longer can December 2020 corn futures stay above $4? We've been maintaining about a 25 cent spread between December 19 and December 20, and I keep thinking at some point someone's going to start laying into that December 2020 futures and push it down. Until then, I still like the idea of having an offer out there around 410 or 415 against the futures, or better said, maybe a cash offer in that 365 to 375 area for delivery next fall. Cheyenne, as you know, we've had a lot of conversations the last week or two with farmers wanting to know, you know, what do I do with all this extra corn? I usually start out by asking, do you think corn futures are going to increase? Invariably, the answer is yes, at least in the short term. Maybe not as we get into late spring and early summer if we do have a lot more corn acres. But if you're bullish corn, why not put it on an extended price contract? As we mentioned earlier, basis is strong, especially relative to a lot of years in the, in the last few years here especially. So if you don't want to necessarily sell it and you don't want to pay storage, why not sell that current cash price and with this extended price contract, you will be marked against a futures month. For example, tonight we're showing almost $4 for July futures with cash prices around $350 or a little more. So if you sell that $350 and then if July futures increase above $4, you're making money with this extended price contract. If they decline, you're losing money. But you're not paying storage fees, just a low one-time $0.04 service fee for us to manage the hedging and the margin calls. And you can get up to 70% of the cash price advanced to you either now or after the first of the year. Just contact your local GMA for complete details. Tom, I think another good positive to talk about that extended price contract is a lot of our specialty contracts, you had to have volume to be able to use. You had to have 5,000 bushel increments, something along those lines. That extended price is no bushel minimum, no bushel increments, and you can sell off of it just like it was open storage. You could do Absolutely. 500 bushels a time if you wanted to. So it's a great plus for maybe those smaller producers or ones that contracted all of these bushels ahead of time. So they just have a small 
small amount of unsold bushels right now they're finding a home for. Great alternative to open storage, especially on the corn side, because you're saving that extra percent on your shrink and dry too. Yeah, and I hadn't mentioned that, but that's a good a good thought as well. And and you know as well as I do, guys just hate paying storage. Well, here's one that'll keep you in the market and you're not paying storage. So it's a good contract, I think. So I think that's all we have for you today. We appreciate you joining us for the Bull Bear Banter as part of the Landis Cooperative Experience podcast. If you'd like to contact us, you can send us a tweet to at Landis Co-op or drop an email to podcast at landiscooperative.com. Our tagline, bears make money, bulls make money, and pigs just go to market, continues to make sense. If you have any questions regarding grain marketing decisions, please reach out to your area grain marketing advisor. We want to thank you for listening, and we're going to be back with you again next week. Mm-hmm.